I find it amazing that in small groups we talked about what I'm talking about today. And at first glance, when you hear this message and when you read the passage, you might have heard this before, I feel like there's something that a lot of us tend to skip past. And because of that, this has been really challenging for me as I studied it this week. It challenged me in my faith. It challenged me to be vulnerable to you guys. And so I hope that as we go through this, as we talk about all that Jesus is, you might be challenged to grow in your faith in certain areas of your life just like I was. I'm a middle child. I have two siblings. I have an older brother named Jordan and a younger sister named Jacqueline. And Jacqueline, that girl amazes me. She grew up loving gymnastics and was amazing at it. And at some point, she started realizing that her legs were hurting really bad as she was, as she was doing gymnastics. And that was something she just loved so much. And so she ended up having to quit. And then she had to go um, get checked because something just seemed wrong. We thought that maybe the issue was because of gymnastics, that it was really hard on her feet and her legs. But it turned out that when she was born, she was born with deformities in her legs and her feet um, that she had to have so many surgeries on. Now, my sister was young at the time when she's going through all this, throughout middle and high school where she's having multiple surgeries on her legs and feet. But the thing that amazes me is that throughout all that, my little sister is challenging me and my faith because she is only talking about how she is blessed by the Lord, how she would tell everybody that she is blessed by God. She would write blogs about how God has blessed her in her life. And things continue to get worse for her health-wise. There was a time where she was struggling to find foods that she could eat because she was allergic to so much. We didn't know what was going on. And us as a family, we, we had like very limited restaurants we could even go to because she could only eat a handful of things. And yet she never complained. She continued to praise God, continued to talk about his blessings on her life. And then things took a turn even further where there was even more serious health issues that came about. And yet she still continued to praise God and she still continued to give glory to him. And her response was to give God glory even in the darkness. And, and fast forward, God has answered so many of her prayers, of, of our family's prayers, and some of those major health issues that we thought that were going to impact her life are no longer a thing. And, she, and it just shows me an example to live by. And when I look at Jacqueline's life, I see that she followed Jesus' example in Luke 9. So that's where we're going to be this morning. Luke 9, we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 17. And what we're talking about this morning is Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, I'll get to it at some point, but the numbers are actually more like 10 to 15,000. We don't really know, but I'll, I'll explain why. But it's the story of Jesus feeding thousands of people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And I also want to take note that these loaves of bread, when we think of loaves of bread, you think of like Subway or something, um, eat kind of fresh, but not really. Uh, but 
it's like these little, it's, it's made out of, the, the bread we're talking about was made out of barley, so it's like these little, almost like tortillas, so they're tiny. And then the fish that we're talking about was most likely sardines, so we're talking about limited food. We're already talking about something that's huge and amazing and mind-blowing, but then you look at the food, and what you imagine the food to be, it's like, no, shrink it, and it's even smaller. And so there's a couple things I want to point out from the other Gospels as well, because this miracle is one of two miracles that are in all four Gospels. So this morning in small groups, we actually talked about this in the book of John. And so I'm going to go through a couple of those, and they add a couple, uh, some information and in some of these spots that it's good to understand. So I'm going to go ahead and read. We're going to break it down into pieces. I'm going to read Luke 9, verses 10 through 11. It says this, On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida, where the crowds learned it. They followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. So today we're going to be talking about all that I see in this passage that Jesus is. So the first truth is this, that Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is compassionate. When we look at Matthew, Matthew 14, verses 1 through 12, gives us the most detail about what made this passage challenging for me. When you first read this, if you don't read the context before it, it's, it's amazing on its own, standalone, but something really important is that Jesus' close friend and cousin, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded, and his disciples had just buried him and told Jesus about the news. And so then, in Matthew verse 13, it talks about how what we see here where they're with, um, going apart to a town, he actually went on a boat to separate himself so he could grieve. But in that moment, he looked out on the shore and saw a crowd gathering there, and he had compassion for them. And so in Luke, it says here that he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. And so Jesus is performing this miracle while he is grieving for the loss of his close friend. I'm going to look at verse 12 through 15. It says this, Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we are go to buy food for all these people, for there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of 50 each. And they, did, and they did so, and had them all sit down. Truth two is this. Jesus is in control. There wasn't a moment that Jesus was concerned about the situation they were in. And what is really important is 
also the context of this, what Jesus had just told the apostles to do. He had just told them to go out into the town and heal and cast out demons. And so at the very beginning of this passage, we see it says, on their return, the apostles told all that they had done. So they're telling Jesus, hey, we did all of this. We saw how powerful you are. But then they get to this part where they are... They have thousands of people here, and they need to be fed, but it's as if they are doubting that Jesus has the power to perform another miracle again. And so the, the, the disciples are probably, at this point, peopled out, right? They, they have been around people all day. They're exhausted, and they... At first you would think, oh, they should have compassion for these people because these people need to be fed. But they didn't, and, and, and it seemed like they thought that it was too big, and they clearly were too tired. And when you take that into consideration, I know for myself, it happens a lot of time in ministry and a lot of times in life where you get exhausted, and at first when we see that, we're like, why didn't, why didn't they say, like, let's take care of these people? I know plenty of times in ministry where I'm so exhausted, I have nothing left to give. But here's the thing, I know from experience that in those times where I have nothing left to give, that is just proof that God is at work because we see there's no other explanation for how we are able to push through and how God worked. Because we can't rely on our own strength. We have to trust that the Lord will push us through. Now, a simple example would be, I have gone to kids' camp a couple times. And I can tell you from experience that when you go to kids' camp and you are rooming with third and fourth grade boys, um, it, the rooms instantly, it's like within five minutes of being there, the rooms smell like feet that haven't been washed in two years. I'm like, what is going on? And so you combine that with kids who are so loud, they will not go to sleep. They're like, oh, I can't sleep. I'm like, dude, please go to bed. And so I never get any sleep. I'm exhausted. And every day they have more energy. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And so I look at that. I'm like, okay, the only explanation of how we are able to push through that is because of the Lord. So other times, I think we can be exhausted because there is a lack of appreciation or understanding of the stress that comes behind the challenges of being a head pastor at a church. I don't think people understand the stress and energy required to lead a church. And I've heard this saying that like the head pastor only works one day a week on Sunday, but I can assure you working under James that he never really has a day off. And so, like I was saying, it seems like the obvious choice is to show these people compassion, but knowing how worn out I was with the kids at kids' camp and how I can be at other times and how I feel like I have nothing to give, I understand where they're coming from. It's relatable and it's forgivable, but it, it reveals how it didn't occur to him that Jesus could form perform another miracle again. He had never failed to meet their need before. Jesus was clearly in control. And so when I look at Jesus, he is the prime example on how to serve even when we feel like we have nothing to give. 
and we have nothing left in us, God is still in control of the situation, and we can trust what he has planned. I want to look at verse 16. It says, In taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Truth three is this. Jesus is our provider. Jesus is our provider. So I mentioned that this is more like ten to 15,000 people. And in Luke, it just mentions the men. It's not saying there, was, there wasn't anybody else. It says there were 5,000 men. But you look at Matthew and it talks, at verse 21, it talks about how there were women and children also. So we're looking at over 10,000 people that Jesus just fed with a couple of tortillas and some sardines. And John chapter 6 verse 9 talks about how the food came from a boy. And I really want to highlight this because the boy gave all the food that he had. He gave everything he had. And Jesus blessed it and broke it and provided food for all of these people with one person's meal. What I take from that is that the Lord calls us to give everything to him. We hear this throughout all of Scripture, that we are called to give Christ everything of us, all of us, not parts of us. We don't get to decide the sections of our life that we want to surrender to him and then hold on to something else. And I think we find situations in our life where we do idolize things, and we do have to be confronted about those things, and we do have to make changes in our life. And we hear throughout Scripture about the power of the Lord, even when it feels like we have nothing to offer. And the, the thing that we have to offer will barely put a dent into what is needed. And that's the enemy putting doubts in our mind to convince us that we're going to embarrass ourselves if we offer what we have, and that it's so small that it never can be used, but then we never give Jesus the chance to multiply it in front of our very eyes. So no matter where we are in life, God can find us right where we are, and he can provide for us. We see Jesus provided for all of these people, and his disciples were the distributors. He calls us to be his hands and feet and help him, help him distribute all that he gives us. And this can be a challenge for us. When the Lord calls us to give more than we are already giving already. I know I've heard plenty of testimonies of times where people are tithing 10% and God says more. I need you to tithe more now. And it talked about how that was putting stress on their family because they didn't know if they could afford it, but then how God provided. Jesus constantly provides for us, and it is something that we should never keep to ourselves. But this is not only just a moment that Jesus provides for their physical need, it's a moment that Jesus reveals he can provide so much more. And his next message to the crowd, we'll, we'll talk about eventually, 
is how Jesus is the bread of life. And there's more than just temporary provision that Jesus could provide eternal salvation. And what I find crazy is as we were talking through small groups this morning, talking in small groups and talking about this and how he was the bread of life, he had a lot of people leave as soon as he explained what he was talking about, how he explained what he was offering. It's like all people cared about was food. They just wanted to be fed. When they realized he wasn't talking about literal bread, he was talking about spiritual bread, we saw a lot of the people that was following him left. Now let's take a look at verse 17. And this is really, really important. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up. Twelve baskets of broken pieces. Twelve baskets of broken pieces. Are you kidding me? You have like five tortillas, and then all of a sudden they have twelve baskets? Like, I I wish I could be there. I feel like this is a, a time in Scripture that if I could go back to, this is one of those moments where in the span of like 24 to 48 hours, we see so many miraculous things of Jesus and I just, I can't even imagine how this happened. Like, was it happening before their very eyes? As they're just moving it, it just keeps multiplying. I, I want to know what that looks like. Truth four is this. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. This is a moment that Jesus is set apart from people in the Bible like Moses. There's a lot of comparisons between Jesus and Moses, and Jesus always stands out as superior. We think of Moses and how he led the Israelites through the wilderness for 40 years, and God provided them with manna, but they were never satisfied. They're always grumbling, complaining, wanting something more. But in this moment, Jesus provided and satisfied for these people. There was enough to feed all 10 or more thousands of people with 12 baskets left. It says they were satisfied. They were full. They were content. And that's so many mouths to feed on such a small offering. But with God, it was enough. It was more than enough. And in our lives, when we feel inadequate or we have what seems like little to offer through Christ is enough. This was a moment that revealed God's power to the community. And as the disciples walked away with leftovers in their arms, I'm certain they knew that Jesus could provide and satisfy. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus can provide and satisfy? Sometimes it can be extremely challenging to further God's kingdom when we hit a bump in our spiritual road. It can be hard to teach and share the good news when we feel like things are falling apart. And this is the moment where I was challenged this week. Because just like the apostles, I failed At this moment, I'm going to share, I failed to believe that God could provide and satisfy. 
And I, as I was studying all about what Jesus is, I realized many things I am not. And maybe that's how you're feeling too. But I've mentioned this before, and I'm a firm believer that if we as leaders cannot be vulnerable with you, I shouldn't expect you to be vulnerable with me. So you heard my sister's side of the story. This is my side of the story. Jacqueline impacted me and is an influence on me because she handled it much greater than I did. At the peak of all the health issues that she was going through in her life, I remember there was a lot of other things happening in our family, and we felt like we were just being, we, we were just in spiritual warfare. There were some things happening in my life, in my sister-in-law's life, my sister's life, my parents' life. Just felt like everything was falling apart. And I remember my family was so persistent on being faithful to the Lord, just like Job in the Old Testament, but I just struggled. I felt like the Lord forgot about me. I felt like the Lord forgot about my family. And I look back, and I see that in my anger and frustration, God was opening so many doors for me and guiding me and protecting me. And it's my fault for not having faith in the Lord. And I failed to show compassion for my family and encourage them in their faith while they were facing these challenges. I remember I was at work. And this was back in early college. I was at work and my mom called me and she told me of two things that were happening in my family's life that were really concerning. And it was just things piling up after each other, and I just lost it. I just was so frustrated because no matter what was happening, things just kept getting worse. There was no answers. And I remember my mom telling me, Nate, we just got to pray for our family, and I said, no. I said, no, I'm not praying. I remember I had so much anger during this season that my friends could see it. I lived in an apartment with some close friends, and I'm thankful for those friends. But for whatever reason, one night I remember that I was, I felt like I just needed to go into my friend David's room. I have no idea why, I just felt that, and so I walked in there, and, and it was weird because my life just felt like it was all over the place. And a lot of my friends were dealing with a lot of things, too. And so I went in there, and I just sat down, and it was quiet for a minute. And I remember talking to him and talking about all the things that were happening in our lives. And he knew what was going on in my life. And I don't remember exactly what I said. It wasn't that. <laughs> All right, we're just going to move on. I don't remember exactly what it was I said, but I think I discussed some of the details that were going on, and I got very vulnerable with him. I knew that he knew that I was, 
I was very angry with the Lord, and he called me out about it, and, and he said something to me. I've said to the youth, I've talked about this story plenty of times. They could probably repeat it, but he told me something that to this day we'll never forget. And he looked at me, and he said, Nate, where you are at right now, I would never have my kids in your student ministry. I will never forget that. It was the moment that I knew I needed to change. And I remember I sat down with all my, all my roommates, and I just remember saying, like, I have failed as a brother in Christ for you guys, and I need to make changes. And I'm telling you tonight that that's what I'm going to do. And this is one of those moments in my life. It is so vital. It has pushed me in my faith. And I look back now and I can see that God has provided for me in all of that time. I mean, <laughs> I'm standing up here preaching to you guys. And I had no idea where I was going to be. One of those things that I was so scared about was like, where am I going to be in the future? And even in my frustration, he had compassion for me and continued to guide me and protect my family. He provided for my family. He was always in control, and he will always be enough. Everything I was failing to be, Jesus is. Yet he's, he still loves me and wants to have a relationship with me. Where are you failing at trusting God? Are you, tr are you failing to trust that he's going to provide for you? That he cares for you. That he's in control or even that he's big enough to save. We all face doubts in our lives. But maybe you've never trusted in God in the first place. But I can tell you from my experience that God had a plan for me. God had plans for me from the very beginning. Before I was even born, he knit me together in my mother's womb. He had plans for me. He had a design for me. But I, I see that I failed. I chose my own way in life. And I, I broke that relationship with him. And I found myself in a place where I was lost. I was broken. And I tried so many different things to find joy until it finally clicked that I am trying way too hard because Jesus is enough. I knew that there was good news of the gospel that Jesus wanted to pay the penalty for my mistakes so he could have a relationship with me. And so Jesus came. He lived on this earth. He did what we're doing now, but without sin. And then died on a cross. And I, I can never get over thinking about the pain that he had to go through for me. About how he was beaten to a point that he wasn't recognizable. That he was put on a cross and suffocated. And I don't even know what he would be like in that moment where all of our sin was placed on him. 
I can't even imagine the weight of our sin on him as he was on the cross. But he did that for me. He did that for you. And then three days later, he rose again and he defeated death. And that paid the ultimate penalty, the ultimate sacrifice for our sin so we could be forgiven. And he makes it really simple. as to just repent and believe. Believe on him. And a lot of times, we really need to focus on what repent means. Not just to say like, hey, I'm sorry, but really turn from it. So we're just challenged to move from our past, to let go of our past life, to let go of what we desire to be, and allow the Lord to, to guide us. So I want to give you a time to respond to that. Maybe there's something going on in your life and it's, it's been a large weight on your shoulder and it's caused you to not allow the Lord to work through you because you don't feel like you have the energy to give. Maybe you're failing at trusting that the Lord is going to provide for you. Maybe you're dealing with a loss in a family. Maybe you're dealing with marital problems. Maybe you're dealing with a struggle in your life. Or maybe you just need to give your life to the Lord this morning. I want to give you a chance to do that. I want everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. This is something that I've been doing with a student ministry. and I want to give you a chance to respond here and, and again. First, I just want to ask you. If this is you this morning, you're saying, Nate, I have never given my life to the Lord, but I've, I know I need to do that today. I know that I need to stop living my own life and trying to do things on my own, but I need to give my life to the Lord. If that's you, would you just look at me? Another thing I want to give you an opportunity for is if you need to just say, Nate, I need prayer. Nate, I need prayer. There's something going on in my life. Would you pray for me? Would you just look at me? I see you. I see you. I see you. Let's pray. Father God, I am so thankful that you have so much compassion for us. That even in a time of grieving, you should love to people and you heal people. God, I, I'm so thankful that you are in control, God. That I don't have to try and figure out things on my own, but I can trust that you have plans for me. I'm so thankful that I know you will provide for my family, for this church. That we can trust that even when things seem low, we know you will provide. And I'm so thankful that you are enough. That no matter what I've done in my life, no matter how 
much I have sinned. No matter how dark of a hole I feel like I've placed myself in, God, that you are enough to save. We're thankful for that this morning. I pray for anyone in here who just needs to respond to this message, God, whether or not it's that they need to talk to somebody, they need to have a conversation with someone, there's a broken relationship, maybe there's something you've challenged them to do this morning, God. God, I, I pray that we wouldn't walk out this room without doing so. That we wouldn't walk out this room without a, having a plan to do whatever you challenge us to do, God. And if there's someone in this room that has not given their life to the Lord, God, I pray they wouldn't leave without doing that, Father, because it is the best decision I've ever made. Just the weight of life lifted off, knowing that I can trust you and that there's something more to this life than just living and dying, and that's it. God, that I can trust that I get, to I get to have a relationship with you. I get to, have to spend eternity with you, Father. So, God, I pray that everyone will respond this morning as you call them to. It's your name we pray. Amen. We trust that you and your family have been encouraged and blessed today. If you have just made a decision to follow Jesus, or if you would like to pray with someone, or even if you want to know more about our church, please contact our church office or send us an email. We are looking forward to seeing you next week here in person or online. See you then.